0: And welcome to Ace Comicals episode 134, Um, coming to you pre-recorded from inside a volcano.
1: Yeah, pre-recorded from the (laughs) sweatbox.
0: We are in the middle of a brutal heatwave. If you're listening from the UK, you know exactly what we're talking about. If you're not listening from the UK, don't tell me how to deal with it, please. Just...
1: (laughs) <laughs> yeah, go read all the tweets about how our infrastructure is different and blah 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 blah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Please. Just let me die. Yeah. No, um yeah, and uh, the reason we're like this is because we've had years and, years and years and years and years of people sweeping the fact that the climate is dying under a rug and lo and behold it's dying and that's why the giant sky laser is now burning a hole in the UK.
1: Yeah, we definitely angered a god somewhere
0: yeah so uh yeah go figure it's like everyone's like oh where's this come from like people behaving like they don't know what it is it's climate change this is what climate change does when you are suffering in hot weather that your country is not built for or used to or has the infrastructure for when trains are cancelled because they can't go fast enough on the lines because the lines are going to bend and buckle under the heat when the roads are melting when people are suffering with heat stroke and uh Heat exhaustion when um, there's fires and and forest fires and things like that. That's global warming. That is the evidence of global warming. Like, how can people still say that it's not happening? I mean, I mean, they must be getting like, oh, I just, I just don't understand. I really don't.
1: I feel um, like I need to reach out to one of my MPs and say, look, you got Greg started. <laughs> I'm, I'm there with you, buddy. Like, I get it. Like, yeah. I'm
0: right there. Yeah, it's frustrating and difficult. It, it, and... It's it's ridiculously frustrating because it's like, oh, um, it's so, the way people talk about it and think about it as well and, and the way people want to address, like, no one wants to address it. Everyone wants to address it, like, you know, um, I haven't got the word for it because I'm too fucking warm. But, like, <laughs> uh. What do you what do you call it when it's like on the surface, the skin? Oh, um, everyone wants to address it. How how would you use that? what word is that? What word am I fucking looking for, man?
1: I'm not sure. Like my brain is as scrambled as yours, dude. Yeah. <laughs> like don't yeah. don't ask don't ask me to talk about. Well, like, everyone wants skin to address it on a
0: surface level because it makes them look good, right? You know, in the eyes of. But then no one actually wants to address it properly, and it's just so
1: myopic and just fucking like oh. Yeah, it's always a facile argument to, yes, to push yes. their own agenda or whatever, but they never actually go th- yes, yes. through, down deeper into like actual problem solving. And, yes,
0: yeah. yeah.
1: And do, do you know what we need to do about You know, th- we've
0: got the technology and the fucking like wherewithal to actually do something about it, but uh, God forbid should we give up on fucking fossil fuels. Anyway, that's enough about my uh, opinions on the current state of planet Earth. <laughs> we're here to talk about comics so um yeah um just a, a side note by the way uh just me and rahul right now leon is going to be joining us but he's having technical issues so well, he's sort of like silently hovering
1: let's not drop him in it if it doesn't work he he won't be here <laughs> let's not say yeah, he will be yeah. but there's yeah. a chance that he might pop in halfway and we'll we'll catch him up on what we've been talking about and uh hopefully yeah. he'll be able to just jump in halfway through our conversation Exactly. If it happens.
0: I guess. Yeah. So, um, Ray, Stranger hmm. Things season, Stranger Things Volume Two, Season Four, Volume Two. Um, I trust that you've watched it all the same as I have. I only have one comment about it. I don't know about you.
1: <laughs> is it going to be about Eddie?
0: <laughs> well, the only I, thing uh, I'm gonna, the only thing I'm gonna say is my thoughts encapsulated and distilled on Stranger Things Season Four in general. And it's also a Metallica pun. And <laughs> it's uh, Master of Puppets, more like disposable heroes.
1: I like, knew you'd that, feel that way.
0: <laughs> that's all I've got to say. I mean, <laughs> if, you, like... if you don't get, if you don't understand the joke of just clumsy, the, the, the awful ass joke that I've just made, check out the track listing for Master of Puppets at the album. <laughs> but Yeah. Um, Ray, what about you? <laughs>
1: Yeah, I don't have any good puns. I've not prepared well enough for this. Uh, But I I actually had a really good time with at least volume one of season four, like whatever the first bunch of episodes they released was. Like I had a really good time with that. I thought it brought back a lot of the stuff that I really enjoyed about the show because I kind of fell out of love Mm. with it on especially season three. Like I really didn't like where a lot of the characters went in season three. Um, Yeah. And it brought people back to like an interesting and like fun and like sort of lovable place that wasn't just... Pandering to references from the 80s, which is what I felt like yeah. season two especially did. Yeah. Um, but, no, I'm.
0: Mm, okay. Yeah, I I've been enjoying all of it, and like as as much as I sound down on season four, I have enjoyed season four. I've enjoyed the first half of season, but I just don't like some of the decisions that they made. I don't like the way season four ended, um, and I don't like the fact that they released like six episodes and made us wait for another two episodes. If you're going to do a volume one and a volume two, why not split it up equally? Cause it just messes with my mind. Yeah. I I mean,
1: I I have some thoughts on like the structure of that stuff, but I'm trying not to let that like cloud, like I get a bit tired of those conversations at some point of like the, the, you know, background quote unquote politics of like how media gets constructed and delivered to us and whatever, like all the running theories about how maybe they, part of it was monetary. Part of it was like, um, uh, to try and keep the zeitgeist, like conversation going for longer, like the water cooler conversation happening for all these different things. I also heard that maybe they'd uh, prepared, uh, uh, you know, a slate of different endings, and depending on how people reacted to Volume One, they changed what happened in Volume Two. I don't, I don't know. I guess I don't really care anymore. Like what I find frustrating is they did all this emotional setup at the end of Volume One, and then it doesn't quite pay off for me in volume two or maybe it's just how rushed it felt. Cause I'd had some time to sort of absorb volume one at my own pace. Cause I got to it not like late, but like a little bit later, like a few days after it came out and I was yeah. avoiding all the stuff online. And then volume two, I, I we watched yeah. what, what was it? Four or five hours in one sitting. And like, I don't know, maybe that I feel like that's my own fault, but it's also kind of not. Cause it's like the delivery we've been given. Yeah. Anyway, again, I'm trying not to focus on that. I kind of, yeah. it feels a lot of like a lot of, prep work for a big finale for season six sorry season five or whatever right yeah, like it was yeah. another one it was another one of those endings where 11 sort of stares at the screen puts her hand up and shouts and like it's cool it was it had a very emotional crescendo and i kind of liked how they brought everyone back into the same mm. space at the end of it um but yeah i it's i felt like it's more just getting me ready for the next one and i had a better time with the first chunk of season yeah, four. yeah. Like, I,
0: yeah, I, I kind of agree with most of what you said. I don't have any thoughts that in depth about it. Um, I didn't consume it the same way you did. I was incredibly late to the party, the food was stone cold by the time I got there. Um, But I'm
1: also tired of feeling guilty for like getting to stuff too late or whatever. Like, you should that shouldn't even be a factor. I know, I know. Discussing your opinion, like, I I haven't even seen Multiverse of Madness yet, (laughs) which is also fine, right? Like, I haven't haven't seen it. I don't think you're missing out on much, to be honest. Um, like, it's available on Disney Plus now, I think. Uh, I know it is. (laughs) I'm
0: it's there, right there. I could stream it any day I want. I just don't. (laughs) And I think, I think it's like, I don't know what what my, my re why I haven't been to see it yet, why I'm not so I mean, I haven't been to see Thor yet. I was gonna go to the cinema to see it this mm-hmm. weekend, but like I didn't find myself I don't find myself like the urgency's there anymore, you know, to watch these films. I don't find myself like as excited as I used to be, and it's not because of the content of the films or because of the um like uh you know, that the films themselves or, or because I'm a, I'm a snob in any way that I, you know, I mean, I I do prefer the comics, but that's just me. Comics is my preferred delivery method for stories. That's just, that's just who I am. And that's why this podcast exists. Yes. But, but like, (laughs) yeah, I, I can't like, I, I just, I don't know what it is. I just don't have the excitement for these films anymore. And You know, everyone knows I'd much rather read the comics. That's just who I am. And it's but it's not down to that. It's down to the this sort of like 24 hour in your face, like pop culture news cycle, shall we say, of X actor has been linked to X role with, you know, blah, 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 set pictures from this set pictures from that trailer this trailer that teaser this teaser that
1: i mean that's just the hollywood machine at some point and like we're all a bit yeah. sick of that i guess so it depends on how much you get into it I but there's would... like there's
0: there's the hollywood machine and then there's the comic book movie machine <laughs> yeah which is I, even I... which is like the hollywood machine dialed to 11.
1: sure and i don't begrudge you any of those decisions yeah. to be honest like yeah. i don't think you're missing out much on missing uh multiverse madness there's some good stuff in there i'm not going to rehash this Uh, I saw, I did see Thor 2, I wasn't particularly excited for it, but it was, I wanted to go to the cinema, and it was on, Um, and also there was a a new, uh, a new cinema has opened up locally to me, like, uh, it's kind of, it's one of those buses things where, like, we didn't have any cinemas for years, and now there are two popping up at the same time, so that's quite nice in, uh, I live in Ealing, so it's quite nice to finally have a local cinema again, and I do,
0: yeah, I I totally want to watch it all, like, I do, Okay like i just
1: uh <laughs> <laughs> it's fine Craig it's yeah. it's fine what i was gonna get to is that uh yeah Thor 2 i was particularly unimpressed yeah. by actually i i wasn't i i left feeling like i didn't really gain anything from it i didn't come away with any like hype moments or like stories yeah. that i want to talk about like it's i don't know and again i can't tell if it's just the place that i'm in in the same way to you similar way to you but like i'm I just think... a little bit tired of it yeah um like, I'm just, I'm not as excited. I feel like the crescendo happened for us with Endgame and, like, we were all very, like, yes. buzzed about that. And um, the cooldown has been, I don't know, not, not even underwhelming, just not, not suited for me or not geared mm. towards me or I whatever. Think, and that's, that's fine.
0: I think, uh, obviously, you know, I'm going to need to form some better and deeper thoughts on this. So disclaimer now, but whatever. <laughs> I think there's, there's something that's getting unintentionally toxic about it. Mm. And I don't know what that is. Well but to pull that's how a- it feels.
1: Yeah, okay, fair enough. Um, but to pull away from like that conversation a little, like I did yeah. watch all of Ms. Marvel I was watching that week by week and like I, you know I'm a big Ms Marvel fan and I was very excited or quite excited for it. I was cautiously excited for Ms Marvel because like I knew that it was going to be um, a, a big handful of the kind of thing that I did want, and I wanted to I was being cautious around uh, like how it would. Uh, be received like there's lots of claims around pandering and blah 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 whatever all of this stuff that doesn't really concern me like I just I was there to see a character that I love and you know um, a people's represented that uh, I'm you know I have a connection to and it it quite delivered on a lot of that stuff but I think where it does let me down in the way that I expected to be let down was the Marvely sort of action cinema side which I found quite grating and a little bit like underserves all of the good stuff like all of the character moments, all of the stuff that relates to Kamala Khan's like um, Pakistani upbringing and the, the topics around uh, you know, the partition and all of these things that you don't normally get to see in uh, certainly this kind of mainstream media Yeah, and yeah I feel like uh, there's a lot to love and a lot to dislike and that sort of marvel in a nutshell for me right now and hmm. Like, I'm looking forward to whatever they do next with Ms. Marvel. I gather gather Kamala Khan's going to be a character in the next um, Captain Marvel film. Um, And I think those are the things that I'm going to go out of my way to watch Marvel films for now. It's like, if there's something that actually grabs my attention, it it honestly feels like the comic books now. Where, like, unless there's something that I genuinely care about, I'm not really going to go out of my way to pick it up. Um, Yeah, yeah. Although I, I, I generally I like going to the cinema, so it's not a hardship for me to yeah. go and see Thor two. Like it wasn't, an, it wasn't like I had to go out of my way to watch that film. It was just I was in the mood to go to the cinema, and it was on. So like in that way, it's kind of easy. But yeah, yeah, I
0: find myself less and less in a mood to go to the cinema these days. I think that's part of it as well. It's not that I don't like the cinema. It's just that I just <sighs> don't like
1: leaving the house. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> I think we're quite lucky in London. Yeah. Like, uh, Leon and I, when we go and we yeah. very rarely have bad cinema experiences. Yeah. Um, and there's there's been a handful over the years, but like especially when I talk to my friends who don't live in London and don't go to like I guess the Cineworlds we do or like the Prince Charles yeah. whatever, it seems like everybody has really bad experiences of people like just talking loudly or being dickheads and being on their phone and stuff. And like yeah. that's somewhat rare for me. So I think that's why like my love of cinema mm. hasn't completely deflated. But I can understand why people are put off yeah. these days.
0: I think I'm just getting more and more introverted in my old age.
1: And again, that's, that's also fair. And it's easy enough yeah. these days to just wait for a little while and watch it at home. And, you know, yeah. with, with whatever compromises or, like, your own home cinema setup you have, like, whatever. It's wait just, till it hits till a coming.
0: streaming service and just watch it on my nice big TV in my nice comfortable mm. living room.
1: <laughs> I mean, I, think... I, I love the cinema. So, like, I'm going to... Yeah. I don't have yeah. the energy to push back against you too hard there, but like, I do think there's a lot of value still in going. There to is. The
0: I, I, I never, them. yeah, I never, I never said or wanted to imply that there wasn't. <laughs> I'm just saying that's just me.
1: Yeah, I just can't let you have the yeah. final
0: word on this. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, um, what else is, yeah, I'm actually enjoying Kamala Khan com- ad- adversely or conversely to everything that I've said previously in this conversation uh, about my growing sort of like, apathy towards the marvel cinematic universe but it's like, a very um,
1: creative show right like yeah it is, what i mean about yeah. the marvel stuff sort of undercutting yeah. the stuff that i really love like yeah of all of the marvel tv shows i've watched maybe i think the closest that it gets to is like loki where it has a a sense of playfulness a sense of creativity like the way that it yeah. does draw on the comics and the the art form and like the way that people text each other and it appears in the world and like how colorful and I don't know. I just I feel like it's making really interesting choices in the way that it is, it is. the Winter Soldier didn't. It felt very dry. And um,
0: yeah, it is making really interesting choices. And it is a really, really cool show visually. And there's some really cool themes in there and things. And mm. like like you were saying about the, the partition stuff that's included, um, mm. I, it's not even something that they teach at school, is it?
1: <laughs> Definitely not. Like that's I mean, as, as an Indian. Like that's something I had to go out of my way to learn in my like, yeah. teens and you know early twenties. Um,
0: I I remember hearing probably like uh, uh, like I think I think we got ten minutes about it once in one history lesson, um, and it was because they were teaching us about something else, um, and it's like oh by the way at this time this was also happening and this is when Pakistan was formed etc. Right um that was like that that's my that's what i got at school and it's like something where again you know you have to kind of go out of your way to learn it and i think it should be on school syllabuses especially in the uk
1: yeah i agree i mean like not that i want to go into a whole diatribe about this because nothing's changed it's still not really on the syllabus as far as i'm yeah it should be though it really should be but it's it's i don't want to use the word nice but like it's it, it is nice to see this kind of stuff put in mainstream media like uh, just to go off on a very brief tangent, like Leon and I were hyped about a film called RRR, uh, which is like this Tamil film that came out this year, and like that is also based around like pre-partitional British rule in India, and like it's just <laughs> we were saying it's just really nice to see like. Uh, this is, this might sound bad, but like I'm based, right? Like seeing British soldiers get fucking murked. Like it's just fun to see that for once. Like for them being like outright the bad oh, guy. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah, like agreed. in the in the context of India and uh, yeah. and the and the partition in particular. Like yeah. yeah. Cause guess what? We were the fucking bad guys. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's it's great to be able to like have these conversations with people who haven't been exposed to this story and like be a little bit tongue-in-cheek about it and be a little bit abrasive, but also you know, it's a bit of a learning moment, and, like, I get to discuss a bit of my culture and my background, and, like, it's complicated for someone like me anyway, where, actually, I don't really have a lot of family who were directly affected by the partition, but, like, it's it's a, it's a cultural Indian thing that we all know, family who have been affected by it, it's sort of wide-reaching, and we have our own, like, my parents have their own particular burden, which was stemming off of those decisions from the empire and so on like it's it it spools out into this whole very complex thing that we're not really given an opportunity to learn at school and certainly people who are not directly affected like you know my basically i'm saying like my english friends who have no reason to care about this stuff really um unless they go out of their way to seek it out or i have have an opportunity to to spark that discussion and like it's nice to be able to have that these days and this is what one of the things that
0: was so nice about a comic we've discussed previously on this podcast called "These Savage Shores."
1: Hmm. Yeah. For sure.
0: Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, what else have have we been doing? Oh, yeah. I I went out and spent a bunch of money because I got a bonus from work.
1: <laughs> what did you buy?
0: I bought a a big box of Akira hardbacks, <laughs> and I also bought some other stuff. Um, but yeah, I, I was like, you know what, I'm going to treat myself. So I went and I, I bought this big box set that I had my eye on. Um, it's uh, the Akira 35th anniversary box set of the manga. Um, if you go to the Ace Comicals Twitter account, you can find a little thread where I did like a, an unboxing of, of sorts um, and displayed what is contained within and gave you a little bit of a a rundown of, you know, like what, what this why this is so cool and and what it means and everything else so like it's an awesome complete set and a definitive edition of akira the manga like the 1982 manga that kind of changed the medium and lit the fuse on the cyberpunk cyberpunk subgenre. um and it is an important piece of work in so many ways and it's nice to see it celebrated with such a beautiful box set it's like this uh this large box and then you open it and it's got magnetic uh kind of like door covers on the top and you open it out mm. and then the inside's got uh designs on it um like the like you know like a almost like uh landscape of neo tokyo with buildings and things and then you've got like a you get a patch with canada's jacket design on it which is the uh the pill the, yeah, the of pill red design yeah. yeah um you get the uh is good for health bad for education mm. you get the mm-hmm. um like six hardbacks which contain the whole story and they're all like big omnibus style hardbacks and then you get like this uh additional seventh hardback which is like uh bonus material like art sketches um like sort of concept work that kind of stuff uh
1: which is really nice um all of this collection looks incredible like you sent us some videos yeah. and pictures and stuff and like i i have say, like i really love um like well-constructed boxes (laughs) I know that sounds stupid but you know what I mean right like this whole thing but but I like them in a very I only appreciate them in a very particular context like this is in a really good example of like a perfect place to put that effort and put that energy to have like a really well-constructed box because the books are going to remain in that box I really don't like it when you you know like when when the old iPods came out and like there's this massive box that sort of unfurled in a concertina fashion and like displayed all these really nice little tabs and stuff but like ultimately you take out the iPod and then you chuck the box away. And like, I find that really frustrating. Like I don't yeah. want the box to like, then it's just a piece of performance art for when you buy a cool looking thing. Exactly. And then, you know, yeah. This, this is exactly what I love. I like, I like, exactly. I didn't know that it had the magnets and stuff in it. That's, that's the box. Nice the box is part of the coolness of it. Mm.
0: And, and there's also like, um, you, you mentioned in like, like, you know, you, you, when you bought a Nintendo Wii, mm. it had like little drawers inside the box and stuff. Yeah. And it's just like, well, that's kind of annoying.
1: <laughs> it, but in that case, like, it felt yeah. disposable. It didn't feel yeah. like it was going out of its exactly. It's not like they spent too much money on the box no, that you were never going to keep again. Like, this here, bought, the box uh... the
0: box is part of the set. It's like buying a DVD box
1: set, you know, like where the box is part of the mm. um, charm. Well, because yeah. things these days, like, you buy some tech and it's designed to be yeah. sort of shown off on an unboxing video. So, like, the box itself also has to have some appeal that a streamer can get clicks off of you know yeah and like i find that a bit uh i just find that a bit wanky i don't know i don't really have deep thoughts on this must destroy
0: capitalism (laughs) Mm.
1: yeah well yeah it all boils down to that right
0: (laughs) yeah but like this is art so it's it's a really really artful well yeah this this has function
1: as well (laughs) like yeah yeah, i I appreciate this
0: yeah i mean it's um, it's a beautiful box set. It's one of the first manga works to be translated entirely into English, which is why it's also pretty cool to have. Mm. It did get published by Marvel under Marvel's Epic imprint, um, and that ran from eighty eight to ninety six, I think. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's the book that changed sci fi. Like the, the the animated movie that was adapted from this work would go on to kind of like blow up sci fi cinema and anime in general. Like it just completely rearranged everything um and yeah it's uh it's it's really cool and i snagged it from my friends over at hobby ultra so go google hobby ultra and they do anime merch figures manga gunpla and if you ask very nicely comics so yeah go and check them out um yeah so that's that if you want to see the unboxing stuff check out the ace comicals twitter it's all on there um And, uh, yeah, so the other things I picked up. um, I got this nice little uh, complete collection of Adult Tales of Terror. Horror and Suspense Illustrated, which is uh, an EC uh, collection, EC Comics. So you already know where this is going. It's uh, published by Dark Horse. It's my um, my thing of, of, like old vintage uh like retro horror comics and stuff which i really enjoy and uh i got a marvel omnibus of um marvel horror books from the um bronze age from the 70s which is really cool as well so yeah i had a pretty good day (laughs) (laughs) um and uh yeah i mean what did we do oh yeah we played shredder's revenge didn't we
1: that was a blast like it's been a while since we've played stuff together as a yeah. group um, yeah. just for some context like Shredders Revenge might m- mean nothing to some people uh, the new Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles game um, uh, which is sort of retro styled it has that sort of 8-bit yeah. look or 16-bit look to it uh, 2D sort of yeah. hearkening back to the old arcade games but it's obviously doesn't play yeah. the same way it's actually been modernized yeah. quite a lot to be less mm. frustrating than an arcade sort of pay to play game would have been at the time Um, I don't have a lot of... I I have, like, this innate connection to Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles because I was a kid in the 90s. And so, like, it was everywhere. And I had, like... My mum made me a sweater that had Donatello's face on it or whatever. And, like, I liked it in that sense. But as with a lot of things from that era, I don't have sort of core memories the way you guys do. So, like, it was fun (laughs) listening to you all talk about how much of a labor of love this game is in a way that I didn't understand or appreciate. I, like just how excited you all sounded about like how it has this reference to that thing. And like that, it was very nice from a secondhand enjoyment point of view.
0: Yo, oh, it is such an incredible labor of love. This game, like coming from the turtles fan, that's me. Uh, it's, it's, it's such an insane labor of love. Like I love it so much. Like I don't want to like spoil it for people that might want to play it, but there's so many little Easter eggs and references and the boss fights in there are incredible. And it's, so so good and mm. like i just uh I can't and again from
1: it from my point of view again as i often often am on this cast where like i'm the person who didn't have the nostalgia for it as a game as somebody who like has a mild uh, affection for tmnt like uh i think it's it's really fun to play like the drop in drop out cop is really good <clears throat> when it works um which to, for some context for that like we had a, a whole ordeal trying to get uh, crossplay working you want to play with
0: friends just just have it all on the same platform have it
1: all on the same platform <laughs> don't try and get steam to work with xbox game pass cuz it yeah, doesn't
0: yeah we we spent an hour doing that and and poor poor marvin <laughs>
1: i could i could feel the life dripping out of him <laughs> for I could that hear whole the pain, hour. i could hear the pain in his voice yeah i could feel his i could hear his soul like Flopping onto the carpet. Anyway, soul leaving the body. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it is a really fun game, and like, it's. I was playing with my girlfriend, who like, she has a lot of affection for the old SNES games and stuff, and like, she used to play with her brother, and like, uh, us sort of connecting over this thing that we were always player two for is is quite nice, and like, it's nice to be given those those kind of gameplay moments Yeah,
0: yeah, it is a great game. I spent hours on it on the Nintendo Switch um, before joining you guys on Game Pass. So
1: yeah head of the curve
0: yeah it's so so good um and uh yeah um i guess that brings us on to comics doesn't it mm, sure yeah so where do you want to start do you want to start with stray
1: we can do um yeah i think that's the one of the two that i read this week that i have a few more thoughts on i guess uh do yeah. you want to do the can you, or can you do the intro please uh,
0: yes, let's start with Stray. So Stray is entirely the work of one Molly Mendoza and it is published by uh Bull Gillum Press. Um, so this is uh, one where we were kind of mentioned in a reply to a tweet from Bull Gillum Press about this book. Um, it's a gorgeous flowing river of colour and emotion and expression. And there's just so much like fire contained within just like the 50 pages that this book is it's so it's short and it's powerful um so yeah straight is a book that follows jack a chaotic romantic spiraling into disaster desperately seeking comfort in others while ignoring their own destructive tendencies while thoroughly hung up on the past, Jack meets Stray, and their whole world changes. Tender and sensual, uh, lush and palpable, Stray ushers in a new era of cartoonist Molly Mendoza's wholehearted approach to making comics and telling stories. And yeah, it is is—it is incredible. Like, it's expressive, and it's fluid, and the artwork is vivid, and it's just all colour and emotion. Like, it's a joy to move through. its And I say move through because, like, the movement through this book is entirely almost um like dictated by the organic forms on the page so you are your eye is led by organic form and it's just it is it's like incredible in that way um it is a poetic whirlwind of beautiful imagery um and like for my for my interpretation it's about learning to love yourself and to be loved it's about self-acceptance and not trying to be anything but true to yourself and and being kind to yourself as well, and, and like how, um, you know, realizing what needs to change and what you need from others in order to do that, and realizing how you need to to be, uh, how how you need to learn to love yourself before others can love you. Um, and uh, like you are, like like the the idea behind it is that um we perceive. Our main character Jack, as a stray cat in, in in need of love and affection, and there's there's various points in the comic where they use the stray cat metaphor. Um, and in the end, well, no, we we perceive, uh, yeah, we perceive Jack as a stray, and in the end, Jack meets another. Well, towards the towards the middle of the book, Jack meets a stray. Um, and by the end, it, by the end of the book, Jack is. Is actually the one that needed help, not the stray that Jack took in. If you understand what I'm saying, or what I'm getting at, does that make sense to you,
1: Ray? Kind of. Like, I, th- I don't think it's quite as cut and dry as that. I think the the connections are a little bit more holistic. But yeah, I, like in essence, what you said is is what's yeah. happening. I think.
0: Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm notoriously bad at reading, like, uh, more uh, human feelingy stuff. Like, I'm notoriously <laughs> bad at, at reading into that um you you seem to be better at interpreting this stuff than I am
1: no no I, I think you're on the money I, I just I think it's it's yeah uh, allowing itself to be a little bit looser and a little bit more as you said earlier like poetic uh, yeah than that I wasn't I wasn't drawing quite as many straight lines but yeah I think I think you're right there yeah um
0: I like straight lines uh <laughs> <laughs> your eyes dance across the page following like the uh the direction of shapes and figures and it's not fixed it's It's like, nothing is fixed, everything is fluid, everything flows, and um, it is almost like swimming through, like, sort of swimming through a a conversation or dreamlike um, moments, just ebbing and flowing, if you understand what I'm trying to say. Um... And yeah, it's it's as abstract as it is natural and organic. Um, an organic form dominates the narrative and dictates the book's pace, uh, guides the eye from page to page. Um, I mean, Ray, have you got any further thoughts on this at all?
1: A few. Um, I'm just in awe at how well you express that, like organic forms and swimming through this story. Like that was, that's all right on the money.
0: That's what Molly's work looks like to me. That's what it looks like that that, that they've achieved. Um, with, with like some of the, um, even, even the like inanimate objects and things, they have like a, 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 like a, a flow to them, Mm. even things that are supposed to be a little, a little more like inorganic, like buildings, even that type of stuff. Um, and there's a page that I particularly enjoy. Um, I think it's page 12, um, with the, uh, the, where they, they, they first meet the cats walking home or they meet Mm. a cat walking home. I like that page.
1: Yeah. That's like that page in particular. Like I really like the perspective changes there. It's almost like you see them holding out their hand to, to, uh, to call out to the cat, but the cat's looking at us through the page, like looking at like us, the reader. But at the same time, we're seeing a top-down perspective of the street that they're on. Like it's a really interesting mix of that, and that like, could easily be our like our hand, the reader's hand as well. Mm.
0: Like, and and do you know what? I like this because it reminds me of me and my partner. Because like occasionally, me and Sophie will go out walking, um, like at night, um, like just just to go for a walk, and like we will meet cats, and we behave exactly like this. Mm. <laughs> it's nice. I,
1: yeah, and I also really like how it's. Uh, very perspective-driven. Like, it's, you can tell a lot of it is from uh, Jack's perspective or whoever's talking at this, that time, because I feel like the, the the speaker shifts quite a lot, and that's really nicely represented by, like, the color palette and, like, the use of color for uh, the... Uh, can't even think of the word. The lettering and the yeah. speech bubbles that go with it, and, like, there's some really creative choices there. But, um, yeah, I really like how, especially with Jack, like, there's a lot of... Uh, viewing from their like seeing from their point of view and how um, how much like resplendency they place on the people they love and like how that's expressed in the artwork because they see they see their partner or they see their their lover or the object of their affection as like perfect as perfect figure in a in a portrait but the way that they uh, sort of express themselves is without the same level of love and like you said earlier like it's it is a book about self acceptance and self love and like not being so Hard on yourself, and like, uh, also like how difficult difficult it can be for your friends to have to support that all the time, and like even when yeah. they want to be there, like, som- sometimes it can be quite difficult. Yeah, um, I'm sort of rambling. uh I wanted to go back and talk about like how <laughs> I should really, I should say like we read two stories this week that kind of scrambled my brain in this heat, like two very different kind of stressful fever dreams. Like this does feel a bit like a fever dream, and uh, what it made me think of right off the bat was. You know when you watch like an old film um, at the cinema, and it has like a like a classical piece that accompanies it. Like I think two thousand and one had this when I saw it at the at the cinema, where they, there's like a mood piece that brings you into the into the story before the film actually starts. And like yeah. the opening few pages to this, where there's like this uh, these intro pages of tumbling yellow ephemera. Maybe I was just in a very sensitive mood, but like I feel like that really got me in the right headspace for this story like there's something about just the way that sort of is incidentally there between the the credits and the intro page and then going directly into the story i thought that was a really nice touch um and yeah i think like it's a it's a book all about sort of intimate moments between people and i really like how it's particularly sort of like uh the very intimate moments where people are um, are embracing each other, like the shapes and their bodies lose form, or like the panels close in into a small embrace. And uh, it, like it really plays with lots of different page layouts for this. So, like seeing two people close to each other in a party and like they're framed by the blurring shapes of a thousand faces in the crowd, like there's some really uh, impactful choices there. And like I have to say, I don't fully comprehend where it goes, but I'm kind of absorbing it in the way I'd absorb, I don't know. Um, a moody theater piece or like an art film. Like I I might chew on it further, but I might not, you know, and I just maybe just return to it at some point. Like, and I think really the place that I left it in sort of my uh, sweat drenched uh, couch reading of this book of, of like 50 pages that felt like 200 because I was so absorbed into like yeah. the minute details of each page. I think I've just hit that point in my life where I really like seeing media where people hold hands. Like, that's, like, that's, that's why I love The Matrix Resurrections. And, like, it's, I think that's why I love this book as well. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, so, yeah, I mean, I've got nothing further to say about that. <laughs> I just think it's incredible. Um. So that is Stray uh, by Molly Mendoza. That is available now. Um, and that is available on, uh, the, uh, Bulgillin Press website, uh, com. Um, and, uh, yeah, you can grab that, um, full color, 52 pages, totally worth your time. Go check Mm. it out. Um, moving on from there, we are going to talk about a book called Adamantine. Now, like, I think this is the heat scrambling my brain, uh, but I keep wanting (laughs) to say Adamantine, but it's actually Adamantine. (laughs) Yeah, I I can see why. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Now, this one is a... It is Claustrophobic Creeping Darkness. Uh, It is entirely the work of Hannah Berry, and it is from 2012. So it's an old one. Um, It was published in 2012, um, and originally I stumbled across this again on Twitter. So there's a theme here with the books I've chosen. Like, this is all shit that I've discovered through Twitter. (laughs) Like... (laughs) This was uh, originally, uh, I stumbled across this again on Twitter of all places, Uh, a tweet from Hannah Berry herself had found itself on my timeline and it was like advertising this book and like she was advertising it to mark its aluminum anniversary and I am a sucker for interesting horror comics so I dove in with both feet. Um... And I purchased the book and, uh, I, I think she was running a promotion where you could get a signed dedicated copy. So that's what I did. Um, and if you have a look, I've got like a really nice little sketch in the front and a nice message. Um, and, uh, there's, uh, there's another thing in the book as well, which is a nice surprise, uh, when it was dedicated to me, um, which I won't spoil. but, yeah, it's uh, it's a web of interconnected characters in guilt and responsibility. Uh, the book itself, uh, it conjures, like, the deep pits of guilt and anxiety and manifests that deep shadow as something tangible and something that feeds. So, um, all people could do was speculate the fact... Fe- so, this is, like, the blurb from the back of the book. So, uh... All people could do was speculate the fate of those who vanished. Strangers seemingly random, unconnected, all plucked from their lives and never seen again. The notes that were found left behind, apparently describing some slender reason for their removal, were all linked to them. Well, sorry, were all that linked to them. They were all delivered by one man. Rodney Moon had admitted seeing those who who had been disappeared and to passing the notes, but denied any involvement beyond that. Uh... Who wrote the letters then? Moon shrugged during the trial. It has no name, he said. It's a boogeyman, a monster. Uh, He was not mourned when the vengeful bereft finally found him. Uh, Some years later, four strangers, seemingly random, unconnected, all take the last train home. But something each of them has forgotten, or is trying to forget, is catching up with them with a terrible, inexorable purpose. The devil is in the detail, as they say. And with this book, it really is. Um so yeah it's um it's an incredibly well crafted stunning work um and uh, i'm not surprised because hannah berry was actually uk comics laureate between 2019 and 2021 so go figure um it's uh it's like really like well crafted with facial expressions and like the the sort of like Uh, the contrast between, uh, the black borders and the black gutters in the, uh, comic for the present and the white for flashbacks, along with like other visual cues as well. Like there's some really nice immersive visual tricks here playing with the the gutters themselves as well. Um, like between the panels and like the void spaces on the page, uh, I say void with air quotes, um, it gives like an immersive feeling you are like surrounded by the darkness and this this entity in the book that, that swallows people, that takes people you are encased in that the page is encased in that. And what you are seeing is windows through that. It's, it's quite clever actually how that works. Um, and like this, this, this whole manifest crushing guilt that these people feel, um, It's like there is a there is a really cool connection and I can't really elaborate on the connection between the people and what's going on in the story without spoiling the story. So I won't because I want you all to read it. Um, It's like um, an examination of mob mentality in a way. Um, It's like down to... um, a national response to what people perceive as a a, a, a miscarriage of justice, something that's led by the media. Like when the papers are baying for blood, um, they kind of whip the people into that sort of frenzy, that kind of thing. Um, and like the idea of, you know, like the idea of the legal, the justice system and, and how, how people behave in situations like this, as in, you know, you know, like when, uh, you know when I, it's not so much a thing anymore, but you used to see these like hate mobs on Facebook, right. like groups like calling for someone to be hung or something. Okay. Um. And yeah. And yes. Mostly the people that they were calling for to be punished in that way had done horrible, awful, terrible things. Um. But like, it, it's kind of like an examination of that ire that people kind of like share about an individual that might have done something completely reprehensible and awful um and unforgivable and how that can manifest and spread like a virus between people maybe i don't know um and then you get to the point where it's like well if i you know I can't be seen to stand up for this person because then that would make me as bad as that you know that would make me the next bad guy if you understand
1: mm, yeah,
0: yeah uh, as though somehow
1: it's... having an opinion online is makes you complicit in the same thing.
0: yeah, I guess um mm-hmm. into that somewhere uh panels like there's panels in the book as well that fade borderless into the darkness. Like, and it's, it's possibly very ahead of its time actually, because when I'm thinking about current trends in using liminality to build horror and in how liminal spaces are used more, more, more and more in horror stories these days and how this book 10 years ago was already doing that because I think a train carriage is a very liminal space. (laughs) Um, not just a train carriage, a section of track, like that is in the middle of nowhere kind of thing you know
1: (laughs) it's the most liminal
0: yeah (laughs) and and it does use liminal spaces to incredible effect um i I do feel that it's very ahead of its time in that way um and there's the existential element to it the guilt that eats you alive um and like this whole idea of eye for an eye are we better than the perpetrator or i guess like you could most most people would say most rational people would say that to to do something like that would make you as bad as the other person but you know there's there's like there's there's gray areas within that and it's it's one of those things like and your you know your transgressions and your crimes will catch up with you like karma always catches up with you in that way um, and it's just, it's just a very interesting book and a very interesting thing to think about, which I've been thinking about an awful lot, as you can probably hear from what I've been saying, like <laughs> it's, it's just one of those things. And, uh, I, I really recommend you all do check it out. Uh, that is available from hannaberry.co.uk. Um, and you can buy it direct from the website, uh, and you can opt to buy a signed copy as well. So I recommend picking that up because it's very, very good. It's available
1: now. Did you find out
0: if there was a digital copy available anywhere? Um, I think I, there might be a Kindle version, but I would recommend against
1: it and say just buy the physical. Yeah, I'm, I, I think I will go ahead and buy the physical. I didn't have time right. to get it in time for recording, which is why I don't have yeah. thoughts, thoughts on if it. You've um, got, yeah, always buy direct from artist. <laughs> well, the thing <laughs> is, you I have the option. A, I looked at her website and I don't think there was a digital version available on there. Um, and I'd rather, as you said, I'd rather not buy on via Comixology or Kindle. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll probably pick this precisely. up physical based, on, yeah. based on your recommendation.
0: Yeah, precisely. Buy the physical version, support the artist. Mm-hmm. Forget Bezos. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so uh, that is Adam Teen. And uh, yeah, I was very excited about that book, as you can probably tell. Uh, and it is incredible. So you should check that out. It's a really great piece of work. And uh, I'm 10 years late to the party, but hey-ho. <laughs> um, next one on the list, Ray, The Passageway. Is this yeah, the we... other one that you said was a fever dream?
1: Yeah, I, th- I feel like there are uh, c- this and Strayer companion pieces are on like opposite ends of the spectrum of being like stressful fever dreams, kind of both about loss, isolation, maybe a little bit about longing. Um, but yeah, I go into the spiel. And I don't have s- too many thoughts on this, um, but yeah, we can get into that.
0: Oh, I I didn't get... I lost longing. I was focused on other things (laughs) when I was reading this. (laughs) Sorry, go ahead. I'll give you the blurb first. So Mm -hmm. The Passageway uh, is from the acclaimed creative team behind Gideon Falls and Primordial. And it's the first book in a bold and ambitious new shared horror universe, um, which they are calling the Bone Orchard Mythos. Uh, And it is published by Image Comic. And this is... um, the work of Jeff Lemire and Andrea Sorrentino. Um, you've also got Colours by Dave Stewart and Letters by Steve Wands. Uh, Steve Wands is also the designer on this one. So yeah, um, it's uh, it's published in like a, a self-contained graphic novel Like I've got, I've got it in hardback, um, but it's one of those things. That I think you can pick up digitally as well if that's your thing. I think you've got it digitally, probably, Ray right? I do yeah yeah, so yeah, um apparently, it's a universe that is going to feature self-contained graphic novels and limited series about horrors lurking within the bone orchard, waiting to be discovered. Mm. um I know bone Orchard as slang for graveyard mm. yeah, so i'm I'm interested to see what's going on with this um. Like, yo, I want more. Like, that's, 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 I, I want more. Like, <laughs> give me the rest of it. <laughs> like, that's my first thought. It's incredible. I want more. Please. Um, it's real deep, beautifully mysterious horror. Um, it is a nightmare realized. Um, and it's this great, perfectly paced, I mean, it's a shame it's just so short. That's, that's, my, that's my only disappointment. Like, why is it so short? Like, why? <laughs> uh, like, everything in it is so gorgeously rendered and realized. And, and, like, Sorrentino's, like, realist deep shadow style is, like, this very noir edge to it. It's not quite full chiaroscuro, but you can feel it there. Like, it's like stark realism with a touch of graphicality about it. Um, it's strange and unnerving. And there's a really simple premise here and a really simple setup. Um, And there is beauty in that simplicity. Um, It's, yeah, there's beauty in the simplicity, which is something that actually makes me think of Junji Ito, actually, because
1: a lot of his horror
0: (laughs) is like beauty and simplicity. Like when we've talked about Junji's way.
1: Um, Also, you can't talk about, like, random holes appearing in the earth without (laughs) thinking of Amagara Fault, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, And, like, every page, like, there's this, like, weird escalation with it again, which is something that I associate with Junji Ito. Um, And every single page, like, it alludes to what's beneath. Like, if you look at the page layouts and you look at the way the pages are put together, it's always, like alluding to a chamber beneath the earth or something like that or or we're getting uh we've got like this kind of like we've got panels swimming in an overarching image of what could be beneath or pictures of centipedes or something like that and it's just Mm. it's incredible in that way um it's uh it's a passageway to something indescribable i guess is what's going on in this and it's like there's like these and then like it just gives way to I don't want to like give away like the whole thing but like you need to read this but like the pages all of a sudden give way to like cyclopean architecture and huge vast like panels like like the 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 the, the cyclopean architecture and these huge statues that we see in this incredible imagery is like matched in mood by the page layout and it it draws you in so you can feel the mind-bending strangeness of it all like um it's there's like this incredible double page spread as well that is like is it the golden ratio
1: i mean it's either a spiral or yeah some
0: it could be yeah it looks like is it it not the golden ratio the fibonacci spiral fibonacci spot i don't know i'm not a mathematician you are (laughs) don't put me on the spot (laughs) like that
1: i'm I'm just gonna say yes sure sure it
0: is (laughs) Look, I only know this because, like, sometimes I like to listen to music that plays with weird stuff, like, you know, and, 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 like, um, like sacred geometry, things like that. Like, that's my experience with this stuff. I, I, I'm not a geometry person or whatever, but, like, I think it's called, it's called, I think it's called a Fibonacci spiral, isn't it? And it's, it supposedly represents the golden ratio. Is
1: that right? Sorry. I think you were right the first time, Greg. I think it's the golden spiral. Like, the golden ratio is, is a spiral that sort of, devolves into itself
0: yeah so so this page is like laid out in the like the the page layout is the golden ratio that's the that's the arrangement of the panels and i just thought that was incredible um and like i could just hear echoing in my mind immediately like tools (laughs) laterus, like as a spiral keep going like i i just i i associate things like this with tool i don't know why uh spirals sacred geometry everything like that um and like it, it's just the, it's just it was just a complete assort, real assault on the senses like the pages are a real assault on the sense they are cacophonous these mm. pages like that's the best way to describe it the pages are cacophonous like the sounds and irregular angled panels in set into larger images and and like you've got panel shape and design being used to immerse the reader in the environment and tie together the page and the action. So you've got like these pages uh, that are set underwater and and, like you've got underwater falling into the void and you've got like these loose panels that look like bubbles almost um, on one page. And like you've got like, there's a, there's another particular page that stands out because it's nighttime and you've got like these, 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 vertical rectangular panels that that like lo- like looking at a phone screen in the dark which is literally what the character's doing and that's how the page is laid out and it's just so so cool and immersive in that way um and yeah the the the, the background image is always there to give the impression of something beneath and something looming and i just i just thought the whole thing was just insane in that way I mean, what do you, what do you, what do you make of it? What are your thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head, to be honest, um, especially with the, the Junji Ito uh, referencing, which I think is, uh, like, it's, it's almost too easy. <laughs> Sometimes when you're talking about stuff that's meant to be um, horrific and sort of uh, off-kilter. Um, but yeah, I quite, I quite like that it was short. I feel like it's, this is, it gave me a real vibe of just, like, this is just a taste of the horror. Like, this is the the intro to a horror movie where you get a 10 minute sequence where you think you're watching the main character and it turns out they're not the main character at all. They're the, they're like the first victim that we get to see. And this is going to spool into a much larger mythos, which is what I hope we're going to get from the bone orchard mythos. Like I, I like that. It's just a taste of this, this isolated story. And um, to touch on what you said about like, everything does tend towards down, <laughs> like in, in, in the presentation, in the like the panel layout, in like the way it sort of it, everything alludes to something beneath, and I didn't catch that on my first read. Like, but it's it it's very sort of effective um, because everything's sort of like a funnel, everything's spiraling down into the into the depths. And like, I don't know how much you because uh, you <laughs> you went on a very fast clip there, but I, I don't know how much you referenced the actual uh, the driving force of this story, which is like a mysterious hole in the ground. It does some really interesting work around like representing this in lots of different ways that can like just set your hair on, on edge. Like, there's one particular page that, like, at first glance, it just looks like another over the, um, over the shoulder, sorry, top down sort of viewpoint of this hole, sort of like plunging downwards. But if you look a bit closer, it turns out like it's, it's got concentric circles coming out from the hole where every new thin layer of the concentric circle is sort of offset a little bit. So there's like this implied spiral, but yeah. really it's sort of like, it's almost as if there was a misprint. I mean, it's yeah. it's not, but like it's, it, it gives that effect. If you actually inspect it a bit closer and it's like you're being funneled down without really being funneled down. And, yeah. Um, God. Yeah. Really what you said about uh, this, this lurking horror underneath the surface or like not even underneath the surface, like down in the depths um and it just expresses that really well. I, I also really like how a lot of it is, it has a very stamp-like form. It's like uh, there's occasional pages where there's silhouettes or blocky pictures or, like, uh, as though uh, what's like, been Like print-
0: paint, Like paint block stamp type thing. Yeah, paint block yeah. stamp
1: or, like, T-shirt printing, like that, that sort of technique. And, like, especially yeah. with the way that um, that text is sort of overlaid and intersects with it where different different colours when they they intersect with each other sort of cancel each other out or like there's sharp lines between things that sort of overlay each other and like it's it is really disconcerting and it has that like organic edge while also having that very sort of sharp line sort of uh like knife to the throat feeling and yeah. like all I could really get from this was that like this person is instantly doomed like this is a cursed story and I knew from, from pay- the this, get-go I, <laughs> from I, the get-go from the get-go like I I, yeah. <laughs> I don't think it's a to say that like the moment you see this character you know that they're doomed like it's just everything is so foreboding everything is like steeped in this this drama of him uh being afraid of where he is and sort of being dislocated by the place that he's going to and it's just so effective and i feel like it's a fantastic introduction to what i hope is more of this kind of horror i think they just give enough to sort of pique my interest without giving away, and like you and I react to this stuff very differently. And it sounds like we both ended up in the same place where we both want more of it. But I'm yeah. kind of glad that they don't give away a lot, and there's like yeah. just the hints of how uh, how far this goes. I think, yeah. and I love that kind of like celestial horror almost, but this is celestial horror under the like terror horror. You know, what? Not, yeah. not terror as in T E R R A, like earthly under the. <laughs> under the ground of worming away horror, and I'm, I'm terror, really terror hit.
0: horror instead of terra firma. I like that. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. And and like, can we? I mean, like, you know, look at you talking about horror comics.
1: <laughs>
0: like, I, I love horror
1: comics. I've always loved horror. Like, can
0: I can I say it's like John Gito meets the Lighthouse? Can I say that?
1: <laughs> I think that is a. It's it sounds like it, it'll be blunt on the surface, but it's a really accurate descriptor. Yeah. <laughs> and maybe that yeah. was their, maybe that was their blueprint and to take yeah. something from two sort of like very well established tropes and then turn it into something new and refreshing like kudos for them yeah
0: definitely yeah um i mean yeah i've got nothing to add to that because i think i've i've said everything i wanted to say about this incredible book so i would say check that out if that sounds like it's your thing um that's published by image comics it's available practically anywhere so go look it up um the last one on our list is a book called Gardener, which is another one that i found surfing the social media again a retweet of someone advertising their work um and, uh, yeah, I mean, I like finding stuff organically like this. It's cool, especially with, like, indie comics as well. Like, I'm, I, I really like finding interesting indie comics this way and, and, like, getting to, like, you know, anything that kind of, like, peaks my interest organically like this is really nice. Um, yeah, so this is, like, an interesting sci-fi um, narrative about f- the failed colonization and terraforming of a planet. So... Oh, if okay. I give you the blurb yeah this sounds like it might be right up your alley actually Ray um, yeah that's
1: a really good synopsis to get my interest yeah <laughs> um, so
0: it's a space western this is like what they say on the website so this is available from second at Um and uh, you can buy it digital you can buy a hardcover like direct from the website um US shipping only though so I guess you'll be buying digital if you're in uk side of things uh, it's a space western uh, about self-acceptance and survival on a failed colony planet a uh, gardener is set centuries after a corporation's failed attempt at colonizing a desert planet uh the employees they abandoned have gone to great lengths to survive with autonomous robots creatures and former humans all trying to find their place on an alien planet um the limited edition deluxe hardcover uh yeah features a cloth spine and ribbon embossed cover and colored age edges as well as 20 plus pages of bonus concept work from the world of Gardner. also it includes a short story called preserves now all of that is also in the digital edition because i've read all of that as well so the preserves is also included in the digital so whatever you get in the hardcover is also in the digital um and yeah it's uh it's a planet like a, a mining operation that's been abandoned, a terraforming operation that's been abandoned, and it's like the end of a failed experiment, if you if you will. Uh trapped on an inhospitable dying world. Does that sound familiar to anyone? Does that does that sound familiar to anyone? Trapped on an inhospitable dying world. Let's go back to the beginning of this podcast, shall we? <laughs> what um, are you getting at, Greg? Come on. <laughs> anyway. It's sci-fi with post-apocalyptic and desert punk elements. Um it has, like, really awesome graphic character. Like, everything about it is, is like, bold and graphic. And it has, like, these, like, really nice kind of, like, thick black line cartoon style about it. Everything's very animated. And, and um, everything's, like, just, just wonderfully bold lines. And it's just lively by design. Like, even with such a seemingly arid and barren setting, it is lively by design. Like it, it, this, this, it, it's like, um, it the, the, the style of the book itself and the way the book is drawn and the way the book is, um, shown juxtaposes itself with the environment in which it's set. If that makes sense, um, and it's, um, yeah, I, I'm gonna show right out. And and just say that my favourite character in this is is a character called Bug. I love the design of Bug. Bug's incredible. Um, go read the book if you want to know more about Bug. Uh, the idea of this legendary garden and like these centuries old AI that have just been left on this planet to kind of like languish uh, is is great. Like there's there's like this this kind of like oasis of green that has these kind of like mechanical caretakers, and then there's like an anti-garden as well which is you know like a, a kind of like a, a a pool of death almost like a garden of death with like uh, spores that just consume everything they touch basically that's organic um and and that's part of the story as well and you'll see where that goes when you read it it's like um Like imagine being trapped on a planet and programmed and designed to keep everything going and and like, you know, knowing that there's this plague threatening to wipe everything out as well, this all-consuming floating particles that just eat everything up. And like just these really, really awesome desert punk designs going on. Like it just looks so cool. Um Like every everything about it is just very, very, very cool. (laughs) (laughs) Like the design of the droids. Like and, and the you know the um the Junkers, which are like a tribe of people that huff this gas that they find, which I'm assuming is some kind of fuel, or uh, uh, you know, hundreds of years ago maybe was used as a kind of fuel, but now these guys just collect it and huff it uh, instead of using it for anything else. Um, and it gets to the point where you huff it so much that you cannot live without having a gas mask on and having this stuff in your nostrils all the time. Um, And they have this whole culture that's built up around it. And this whole thing of like your connection to a person can be measured in like the closeness of your connection to your best friend can be measured about by whether or not you've had a shared vision, that kind of stuff. Like, it's great. Um, And like, we only get like select snippets of this life and culture in this world, but it it just keeps, keeps you wondering and questioning. And it, it just has this like, um... Like with the additional materials at the end as well, like they they just they just make like an awesome addition for context and things like that, and we get to look at character development process, and we get some really cool insight into story development, and you know we get this earlier tale set in the same world, which is what preserves is, um, and it just the whole thing hinges on this duality of this, the duality of this dying failed world, and and how people are eking out a survival there. And, and how actually maybe it's not failed, maybe it's just, it's, it's different. It's, it's like, it has birthed something entirely different. It's not Earth again, it's something else. Um, and yeah, it's, it's a really, it's a pretty epic tale. It's a pretty grand tale um, in its themes and everything else. And it, it, you know what else? It has a touch of like um, Judge Dread Mega City Zero or Blessed Earth about it. So, IDW Just Dread comics that I've talked about on previous casts, um, it's definitely got a little bit of that going on for it, for me, for my money, anyway. Uh, Yeah, and I fully recommend checking that out. So, yeah, that is uh, Gardner, and uh, that is um, published by Second at Best, um, and that is entirely, well... Art, story, and colors are by a Matt Emmons. You've got letters by Bernardo Bryce. Um, and then uh, in Chapter 7, the flat colors are by uh, James Savage. So I fully recommend checking that out because it is, like, completely worth your time. Uh, as, a, as a little indie gem that I managed to stumble across, uh, it's incredible. Yeah. Uh, will you be checking that out, Ray?
1: Yeah, I think I will. Um I'll if it's available digitally, uh, I'll download it
0: that way. Completely available digitally. Unfortunately, if you live in the UK, getting a physical copy is going to be difficult, being as it only ships to the US. But it's worth your time. And uh, I think that concludes today's comics. So that has been Ace Comicals one three four. Uh, you can find us on Twitter under Ace Uh, uh at Ace you can find me on Twitter under at Bato. That's B A T T O U. We are most uh, active on Twitter. That's where you will find us um, more than anywhere else that we are available at the minute. I mean, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Instagram and everything like that. But we are like Twitter's like our main kind of like social media feed. So that's kind of where we're the most active. Um, you can add us, DM us, get involved in the discussion if you've read any of the things we've talked about today and want to add your uh opinions or whatever or you know that then please do just get in touch and just tell us what you think uh ray um where can we find you
1: uh you can find me melted into a puddle at twitter at monke that's m-o-o-n-k-e-h and just a quick reminder to everyone to stay safe stay cool stay hydrated drink lots of water
0: <laughs> i've just like what is it Lewis Tully says in Ghostbusters Where he's like uh, running around Is it in Ghostbusters 2 where he, where he catches the bus After he puts on the uniform Why
1: would you Learning ask help? me that <laughs> You should know
0: <laughs> Stay cool make, desi- make good decisions I can't remember exactly what the quote is I think the heat's getting to me Um the heat is definitely getting to me <laughs> Yeah I am I am Uncle Owen In uh, episode 4 Star Wars episode 4 And you Hope <laughs> Uh
1: huh <laughs> just crisp <laughs> yeah exactly was greg jerky on the ground <laughs> <All right. laughs> greg the longer you sing the longer i have to stay in this boiling hot room
0: <laughs> earth will be tatooine if we don't do something about it anyway thanks for joining us uh that is ace comicals over and out